What's up, church planters and church planting enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend. And what are you doing? I'm with my good friend and fellow. Smelling the mic. It, I thought I smelled something a little funny as the microphone. Oh man. I'm What's with, up, man? Good morning. Uh, this is Matt Hess. <laughs> I blew up your intro. <laughs> Too much coffee. Oh, how you doing, Matt? I'm good, bro. That's good. Talking yeah. about my favorite subjects today. All right. Well, hey, you're listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you are a lead church planter, you're on a church planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Matt, man, how's your week going? What's, what's something cool that's happened to you this week? Oh, man. It's... You know, we did the assessment this week for uh, Sin Toronto, okay. the Sin Network assessment. And uh, man, that's just like an incredible could experience. You, could you elaborate on what that is for people who don't? Yeah, absolutely. Know. So North American Mission Board, a Sin Network, um, it is a church planning network and all across North America and just incredible, incredible time. And what the Sin Toronto is a Sin City where we're at in the GTA, the Greater Toronto area. And it's an assessment where we bring in prospective church planning candidates uh-huh. and they come in and it's just holistic in so many different ways. We deal with the marriage relationships, the family. We talk about, we assess their, what we're going to talk about today, their preaching, their communication. That's that's the area that I help in. And uh, it's just really, really good, man. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's been a good week for us too. Um, we had a, uh, uh, had a, a a Muslim guy from Morocco give his yeah, life you to did. Christ two nights ago. So we're really pumped about that. We're seeing God Dude. move in incredible ways. Seeing, so uh, exciting. Yeah, man. We're uh, those baptism waters are churning right now. So we're hey, man. Let me excited. Let, let me, before we jump into this, let me tell you about this guy. I'm not going to mention his name, but he is him and his wife, older Chinese couple. They were at the assessment this mm-hmm. week. Older Chinese couple. Son is probably in his early 20s goes away from the Lord, drifts away from the Lord, and they see that there was really nothing in their church or in their community to go after his son, to to bring their son back into the church. So you know what they do? What they, do? they start up a campus university ministry. Wow. And this is what we were assessing them for. Wow. Couple like in their late 50s, wow. probably early 60s, going to start up a campus university ministry awesome. for Mandarin Chinese. That's awesome. Yeah, they, dude. They so see cool. a need. They see a need and, and they're going to fill it. They mean it. They're going to fill it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, today's topic, I know that me and Matt are both excited about this because we both like to talk and we're talking about preaching in an unchurched context. So we get to talk about talking. Well, not really talking. We get to talk about preaching. Jared calls his sermons talks. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate That's that. an it inside me, joke. It drives me nuts. Yeah, no. All right. Well, Matt, I have to ask you, what is the worst sermon you've ever heard? Probably one of my own. <laughs> Probably one of my own. That's true. Hey, let, let, true me, let, let me tell you something, dude. I, the first sermon, the real first real sermon I ever preached, I had a nervous tick where I always rubbed my nose. I rubbed my nose constantly all the time. I did this. I flicked my nose. Our listeners can't see it, obviously, but I flicked the outside of my nose all the time. It looks bad, trust me. <laughs> yeah, it looks bad. And I get done and my uncle Adam, he comes up to me in Oklahoma and he's like, Hey man, great sermon. Just kept flicking his his nose nose. over and over and over again. And so I learned something. I was terrified. I preached for like 22 minutes. It was absolutely like every first sermon was horrible. And I remember thinking this was a complete train wreck. Mm. 
you know, but I remember just thinking there's something special about it, but I, I thought this is just so bad. And this little old sweet old lady comes up to me. I'm getting ready to leave out to the parking lot. And she says, Matt, can I, can I stop you? And I said, yeah. And she said, I just want to tell you that that's exactly the word that I needed tonight. And I've been struggling with that all throughout the week. And I've been praying for a word and you gave it tonight. And I thought, dude, that's the power of the word of God. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. Ain't got a thing to do with me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've I've definitely uh, preached some zingers before uh, early on, and a couple of them are even recorded. And uh, it was funny; I was listening to one, <laughs> wasn't necessarily one of the worst ones I've ever. Don't preached. do it on a day you're feeling down about yourself, though. No, don't do that. Yeah, it wasn't one of the worst ones I've ever preached, but it was several years ago, and I was at a, I was at a small uh, country plant, and uh, this was back when I, I was really into you know Paul Washer, and you know just like really you know like I was just convinced that. You know, well, honestly, like on a serious note, I still am convinced that there's millions of Americans that think they're Christians and they're, oh, for they're, sure. not, they're separated from God. But, yeah. you know, I was really into that. And man, I was listening to that sermon, dude. I'll let them have it. <laughs> Poor <throw> people. <laughs> hey, we apologize to that country, little country church. They're still hurt. Well, uh, man, I think it's it's time we, we kind of, we've told some stories. So I think it's time to. Uh, Let's get down to the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. Let's get do down it. To the nitty gritty. So Matt. How is preaching in an unchurched planting environment different from, a, say, a churched environment in the South? Man, I think that what you have to do in, in church planting context, we're going after lost people. Mm -hmm. All right. And so there's all kinds of debates. In five years, I've had all kinds of questions about preaching in church planting context. And people want to debate about this or that. But there should be a constant that kind of keeps us steady. Uh, my my heart is that there's always believers there and there's always lost people there. And so I think what's different, and, and it's not in the South, our, our listeners in the South would say, well, that's in my church too, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what's different here is the idea that everybody understands what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So this this really hit home for me yeah. when we first moved up, yeah. right? I was in a in our home, starting in our, uh, our home, uh, and uh, where I'm talking about, uh, uh, teaching the Bible and uh, you know, and, and I start talking about Jonah in the well. And I'm like, you know, this is like Jonah in the well. And I go on and on and waxing eloquently and all this stuff. And I'm looking around the room and they're all just staring at me like a deer in a headlight. They, and I realized they have no, and Erica is like making like the throat slash motion, like you need mm -hmm. to stop. They don't know what you're talking about. And so I finally stop and I'm like, listen, you guys know about Jonah in the well, right? And they all said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. Yep. I have to stop assuming that people know these stories. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. you just can't assume that people have that knowledge because they don't. They they honestly don't. And in many ways, we're talking about people who are two and three generations removed from the church yeah. um, in difficult places across North America. But dude, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I, so I love fun. having. There's almost like that clean slate, you know. Yeah. In a lot of ways, we had a, a a woman who gave her life to Christ that was over a year ago, and uh, we, you know, just sat down with her, and uh, she, you know, we were giving her a Bible, and she was like, you know, is, is this the the old or the New Testament? And we were like, well, it, it's both. In it. And Jerry was like, out. we, it's a King James only. <clears throat> no, I'm not a KJV. <laughs> But uh, it, we it come to find out she she thought that the Old Testament was like the old version of the Bible and the New Testament was the updated revised <laughs> version, version. Like the revised version. And yeah. uh, we had another uh, girl who, uh, uh, when she 
you know, she first uh, gave her life to Christ. We just met her like in the parking lot one day and we shared the gospel with her and she ended up giving her life to Jesus. And yeah. we met her and she had actually told us about how, you know, she, for, you know, we met up and she was like, well, I just have a lot of problems with the Bible. You know, I read this story about how a guy slept with his daughters and I was like, oh, you're talking about Lot and yeah. Genesis chapter 19. She's like, yeah, I, she's like, I just don't get that. I read that and I was like, oh, well, if the Bible doesn't, you know, if the Bible like says that you should do stuff like that, then, you know, I don't want to read it. And I was like, and so I explained to her, well, hey, not everything in the Bible uh, is there to endorse it, right? right. Like sometimes there's examples in the Bible of like, hey, here's what you should not do. And, Absolutely. And she looked at me with this face. She was like, oh. oh but, yeah. you know, like we think we hear that and we think, well, duh. Of course not. But you can't assume that knowledge on the no. part of your hearers because they, they really don't know. Yeah. They've never, they didn't grow up in church. Well, it goes back to what we what we've been talking about before, you know, a previous episode, it's like conflicts and stuff like that. So people, you know, one of the questions you've probably been asked already in your three years of playing, I've been asked, you know, so does the Bible also, the Bible also condones that we should stone our children when they get out of line. So you're telling us we should do that. Well, let me explain the context right, for you. Right. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, man, understanding that they don't have what you have, yeah. you know? And, and so if you, if your goal is to, be a brilliant communicator and use fancy terminology and words that no, none of your listeners understand, then just understand you're probably not going to grow your church. You can't be John Piper in a church planning context. No. You really can't. No. It's just not going to work. No. It's definitely not. And I've seen guys try to do it. Yeah. I, I think you told me one time about a guy who was trying to sound just like David Platt. And yes, his voice yes. sounded exactly like I thought, this guy, David, does David know that this guy is cloning him in <laughs> other parts of the world? I mean, it was crazy. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, you know, there's definitely some differences. Um, Saba Vasquez, he's a IMB missionary extraordinary. Shout out Saba. We'll and have him on soon. Yeah, he's also the discipleship strategist for the Fellowships Network up here. And he uh, uh, was asking uh, us to, to talk a little bit about this on our podcast. On, um, you know, when, when you're preaching, uh, are you is the goal to preach to who's there or who you want to be there? That's a great question. It is a great question. It's a great question. We've gotten asked a lot over the past several years. And the answer is yes. <laughs> you, you you do. Because you, you, preaching is about vision, right? Yeah. Preaching is about vision. You always want to be casting vision. You always want to be inviting people to vision. So the minute, church planner, that you start to, to use insider language, the minute you start to only speak to the, the 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 Christian. The minute you start to do that, you're you're gonna stop being on mission, mm -hmm. and your people will start treating your Sunday morning like something that wasn't meant to be treated yep. like. Yep. And so you, I always do. So to answer Saba's question, I always do. I always assume there will be lost people there, and there will be believers there. Yep. And now sometimes what what people people say, well, what, how do you do that when the text? Because we obviously we don't compromise word of God, whatever. When the text is explicitly talking to Christians, I'll simply say something like this. If you're here this morning and you're curious about the Lord Jesus, hey, you could just kind of tune out to this because this doesn't apply to you yet mm -hmm. because you haven't trusted Christ with your life yet. Mm -hmm. And I'll speak directly to Christians mm -hmm. and vice versa. If I'm asking somebody to place their faith in Christ, then I say to them, you might be here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you how to do that. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. I think I think it's really important. I think to preface, you know, some of your points with like, "Hey, here's who this is for," especially Absolutely. when you're on the application yeah. portion of your sermons. Like, you know, so hey, here's who this is for. Uh, this question that that Saba asked is tricky because very I, I much think, so. 
it really, if you want to start at the foundation, it all depends on your strategy and your, you know, your methodology. So like, what yeah. are you using your Sunday mornings for? If, this, if the Sunday morning is your front door yeah. and your primary way to reach lost people, yeah. then that matters. If your Sunday morning, if, if you're more of like, you know, say you're a missional community yeah. uh, strategy, which is kind of what we do. And, you know, we're going out into the community trying to reach people. So we share yeah. the gospel, obviously, every single Sunday. And we have some people that are come through that avenue. Uh, but, you know, the, the Sunday morning may be more of like... Um, you know, uh, an edification time, yeah. uh, depending upon your model. But I think that you've always got to be uh, doing both. And I'll say this, if you want to reach lost people and you want lost people to actually come and listen to you, then you've got to preach on relevant topics. Like yeah. lost people do not care about your exposition of Romans chapter nine. Yeah. Like, they don't care if you're going through a 32 week series yeah. in the book of John. Like they, yeah. It's we know we yeah. know it's relevant to their life, but they don't know that. That's but right. Here's what lost people do care about. They do care about how, how can I get my kids to behave? How can I save my marriage? Uh, yeah. How can uh, you know I get over my drug addiction? Those yeah. are the questions that are going on in their mind, and the Bible speaks to that stuff. Yeah, the gospel speaks to those things. Yeah, absolutely. I had a church plant recently ask me, "What should I start my my preview services with?" and and what kind of preaching should I do? And I, I told him, I said, go into your community. You can't answer that question until you find out what your community, the questions your community is asking yeah, you. Yeah. When we launched Fellowship Pickering, we launched with a series called Googling God. Yeah. And we went into the, the, and how we came up with that six week sermon series was we went into the community and we asked specific questions. Mm -hmm. If you could ask God, what would you, any question, what would you ask? So we came up with sermons like, why did bad things happen to good people? You know, just you know, who is God? Those well, kinds of so things. So here's the thing though. Yeah. So I hear pushback all the time of on course. This from guys who feel like if you do that, then you're being unfaithful. You're not yes. trusting the word yeah. of God to do the work. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're not, you know, you can only do verse by verse exposition yeah. or you're yeah. not really trusting in the power of the word of God. Yeah. So how do you respond to that? I would respond to that with it's, it's the pendulum swings one way or the other mm. in almost everything in life. We, mm -hmm. You and I talk about it all the time, yep. just in our coaching discipleship and stuff. It, it, and, and what happens is guys think, it, you know what? It happened this week in the assessment. Mm -hmm. Almost every single one of those, uh, those uh, candidates, when they preach, myself and another assessor, we assess their communication. And almost every single one of them felt like, it, it felt like it was just to Christians. Like there was nothing there mm -hmm. for non-believers to even get to. Yep. And so what happens is guys feel like they're compromising the truth of the word of God. Mm -hmm. If they talk about anything that's relevant for our lives. Well, listen, Jesus is the greatest communicator to ever walk the face of the planet. Yep. And look at what he dealt with. Look at what he talked about. Mm -hmm. He talked about all kinds of things. He talked about money. He talked about relationships. Yep. He talked about conflict. <laughs> he know? talked about how the kingdom of God comes to bear on those Absolutely. things, on everyday yeah. life issues. So I would just leave this caveat. It doesn't mean you're unfaithful to the text. You and I both love the Word of God. We love to preach the Word of God. I'm, I'm doing my studies right now, my doctoral studies, and my emphasis is an expository preaching. Like, I love preaching. I love to study preaching. I love to listen to preaching. I, I love to grow as a communicator. It Nowhere does it say I'm unfaithful to the text because I'm I'm preaching into both those audiences. You know I'm never going to call you doctor, right? Uh, my 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 initials are ND, so I tell Erica when I get my doctor it's going to be Hess Medical Doctor. And when, you know, there's an incident and somebody says, "Is there a doctor in the room?" and I'm going to say, "Here I am." 
SMB. I dare you to do that. No, nah, I, I probably wouldn't be. Yeah, good. I know you won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, one of the so one of the things that we do, and and I think it's important to remember is that just because you're preaching on relevant topics doesn't mean you're not preaching expository <laughs> sermons. Like yeah, again, absolutely. like the Bible speaks to relevant topics. So you can take it is a relevant. Pass- right. Like you can take a passage and preach it in an expository manner, a passage yeah. that addresses a specific issue. So yeah. right now we're in the midst of a series called Wonderfully Made, God's Design yep. for Manhood, Womanhood, and Relationships. Yeah. And so we're tackling some of the most critical issues in our culture right now, like yeah. especially up here in Canada. I mean, the whole idea of gender in general is being questioned. You know, gender is fluid. Everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter. There's no difference between men and yeah. women. We see that in a lot of churches now where, yeah. you know, the, the roles of men and women are, you know, being redefined. And so we talked about that. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And this past week, you know, I, I preached on biblical manhood. It was an expository sermon. Yeah. But, you know, I talked to single guys about like, hey, dudes, if you're not, you know, like uh, doing the things that you are going to need to be doing when you're married right now before you're married, then... You know, what makes you think that any woman's going to want to marry you? I mean, so we're talking about real stuff that they're yeah, talking you know, about. Yeah, you know, and so we should tell them one, one of the highlights of our week was we got to worship together, right? Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention awesome. that. So, you know, welcome to church planning. If you're new to this, right, we couldn't get a permit for where Fellowship Pickering gathers. So we gathered with Fellowship Oshawa this past Sunday. And Jared, I was so proud of him. I texted him right after and I was so proud of you because you preached just an incredible word you know, on manhood, biblical manhood and what that looks like. And you're irrelevant. It it was faithful to the text. And I think guys get this idea. And let me tell you where the idea comes from. It's because other guys are not being faithful to the text. Mm-hmm. And so they think I'm not going to be lumped into that category. Yeah. And so they swing the pendulum way on the other side and they don't even try to think mm-hmm. about what non-believers, the questions non-believers are asking and all those kinds of things. And you were really faithful to the text, but you you dealt with believers and non-believers in that context. And you spoke in and out, and it was a great message. Mm-hmm. Go listen to it if you're listening to this. Yeah. And uh, go to fellowshiposhwood.com and listen to that sermon. It's great. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, another thing I would add is you should preach the gospel every time you stand up there. Yeah. Like, it, So if you're not preaching, here's, a, here's what's We'd like to happen. say that goes without saying, yeah. but... Well, here's the deal. Here, here's what's going to happen. If you're not preaching uh, messages that are relevant to the, the lost people that you're trying to reach and you're not preaching the gospel, then the people at your church are not going to invite their friends to come. Because yeah. if you're preaching like above their heads, if you're preaching, you know, like, a, you know, like a, a John Piper. And I love listening to John. Oh, Piper. Of course, he me, he does. If you're preaching like that in a yeah. lost environment, then your people aren't going to invite their friends because they're thinking in their heads, well, I know if I bring my friend here, this is going to go over their head or what they're talk what he's talking about is not relevant to them because they're not going to care about, you know, my pastor's exposition of Romans chapter nine. But if you're preaching, you know, on a topic like, you know, Hey, uh, here's how to overcome addiction. And, you know, you do it in, in a way where you don't assume knowledge on the part of your hearers, then your people and your church are going to be encouraged to bring yeah. their friends and their family uh, to, Hey, man, my friend is struggling with addiction right now. I need yeah. to bring him next week because yeah. you know my pastor is going to be preaching on this topic. And yeah. I know that my friend's going to hear the gospel because my pastor preaches the gospel every single week. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, when you talk about this subject, you kind of, it's almost like opening a can of worms in church planning yep. because you get into models really quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so when we think of like 
these series that are just, you know, just for seeker, seeker friendly or whatever, you know, it's attractional only, but that's just not what it means. I mean, we're both missional attractional. All of our churches in the network right now are missional attractional. And it just means it's not, we've learned, it's not an either or, right? So what I mean by that is I had somebody one time push back on this and they're like, you know, preaching in, on Sunday morning is for the saints, for the believers. And, and uh, I, I said, well, how do lost people come to Christ? Well, we go out, uh, there's Christians supposed to go out and share the gospel. I said, what's your system to do that? Mm. And, well, we don't really have one. We do it uh, as we go. I said, well, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Yeah. So we talked in an episode a couple weeks ago about knocking on doors, doing evangelism, sharing the gospel, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then the whole point of church plant is to bring lost people to Christ. Yep. The whole point of preaching the gospel is to reconcile people back with their creator through the blood of Christ. And so if we're not doing that week in and week out, then we're, we're heading for somewhere we're not supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, man, we could do a whole podcast on this, but I read and I, and I was trying to find it when I was preparing for, uh, you know, recording this episode uh, somewhere. Um, but a couple months ago I read, uh, where it may have been um, Moody or or Wesley or, or somebody like that who uh, started praying. Uh, one of those old God, godly guys. Yeah, one of those old godly guys started praying that God would only uh, give him, uh, allow him to preach heaven-sent sermons. And that's something I, I've started praying over the last yeah. couple months. And I think being filled with the Spirit is something that we don't talk about enough when it comes to preaching. I think that... When you have anointed preaching, uh, when when you're spending as much time in the prayer closet as you are prepping, yeah. uh, when you're praying as much as you prep uh, yeah. in your uh, sermon preparation time, yeah, it it makes a difference. Yeah, because people will start, you know, Jesus. I'm talking about this this coming week when I when I preach. Actually, you know, when Jesus would teach, people would be astonished because he taught as one who had authority. Yeah, when you see the apostles in the Book of Acts when they're standing up and they're preaching. They're not suggesting like, hey, you know, well, maybe if you might consider maybe uh, thinking that Jesus might be the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, we'd love if you would yeah. uh, just follow Think him. Think about and, this. And God just really, you know, wants to extend his you know, invitation to you. So yeah. maybe if you just consider this. No, they're commanding people. Yeah. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is true. We are witnesses yeah. to these things. You know, that, that's not that we should, we should say. I mean, Jared and I, when we preach, we talk about heaven and we talk about hell. We talk about sin. Yep. We talk about God's design for marriage, God's design for sex. We don't, you know, we don't want to give the impression that we don't deal with difficult issues because we do, you Absolutely. know, and we speak truth. If you don't, if you don't speak truth, if you just give people this cotton candy, fluffy version of the gospel, you're not doing them any favors. You're actually leading them to destruction. Yep. And so that's important for us to say that. Uh, I, Charles Spurgeon's had such a big impact on me when it comes to preaching. Sure. I could not more highly recommend his uh, the book Lectures to My Students. Yeah, so um, good. Man, you just need to go and read that. It, it's entertaining, number one. And number two, it's just packed with gold. Um, but, you know, what's one of the things that Spurgeon did was every single week, man, he pleaded and he begged yeah. people to give their lives to Christ. Yeah. If you you need to do that every single week, mm -hmm. whether you're in a church planning context or not. You can't, if you're in the South, you cannot assume that that building is full of people who are saved because the reality is, is that there's probably a lot of them that think they are and they're not. Every single week, you need to be getting up in that pulpit and you need to be preaching the realities of heaven, the realities of hell uh, and eternity. And you need to beg people to place their faith and their trust in Jesus. Yeah. And you need to be 
begging God in the meantime, in the week leading up, that people will respond to the gospel. Yeah, and pastors and established churches that are doing that well, they're seeing the fruit of it over a period of time, yeah. right? They're faithfully, they don't, they don't treat their pulpit in, in a way that it's not supposed to be treated. They're they're doing it faithfully over time. Well, you talked about Charles Spurgeon. I know you're the host, but I'm going to shift and ask you a question. Okay. So what, what pastor, what preacher have you learned the most from when you talk about preaching and when, what was it about them that you learned so much about? Well, you know, again, first, my first answer would be Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. And cause uh, we're a big fan of short bearded men, both yeah. of us. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I think from, I've learned a lot from Spurgeon, but the thing that always sticks out to me when I think about Spurgeon, uh, preaching, I think of the word unction. Yeah. Um, or, or as he would sometimes call it, blood earnestness. Yeah. That's a word we just need to bring back. Blood earnestness. Blood earnestness. That, might be one, like a, that might be one of those words that we're yeah. telling our listeners they might not want to use on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, uh, he he always had a sense of urgency yeah. about him to where, like, every single sermon uh, was his last chance uh, to preach to these people. Yeah. Like, this was the last time these people were going to have a chance to hear the gospel yeah. and to respond to it. And so he, he took it seriously, you know, every single week yeah. uh, that he got up there, he depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit. He would pray uh, as he was walking up to the pulpit yeah. uh, at the beginning of a sermon, he would pray, uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I believe in the Holy Spirit. He would say that as soon as he was walking up to the pulpit, because he just knew that if the Spirit of God didn't come and fill him, then it was all in vain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've also, I mean, John Piper obviously has had yeah. a big impact on me. Uh, Matt Chandler. Uh, yeah. is a guy that I've, you know, learned a whole lot from. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So those are some of the guys that, that I've really enjoyed. Man, I think guys that I've learned from, you know, the, obviously my first one is my pastor, Chuck Herring. And I, he, he taught me how to really be faithful to the Bible, how to communicate the word with power. And that power is not from his personality. He's not an extroverted person. He's not the guy that walks in the room and, and like everybody wants to go right to him. And maybe it's because he's a little more known now and stuff amongst certain circles. But it's when you meet him, you know, he's he's more introverted in nature. Yeah. But there's so much power in his preaching because he what you talked about, he he has that unction when he preaches. And he taught me that and being spirit filled and being spirit led, understanding that, you know, there's nothing great within him, but it's in it's in Christ. And he really taught me those things. And then I could go on about the guys that are known, you know, I've been, I, I've been, um, you know, I love Alistair Begg, you know, um, Chuck Swindoll taught me how to use illustrations in a way that really impacts people. Um, you know, I've fallen in love with Charles Finney and he's one of the most controversial figures of all time in church history, yeah. but Charles Finney's autobiography is absolutely amazing, dude. Yeah. It's, he, you talk about being spirit dependent and spirit led. Yeah. That dude, he, so I'll tell you this quick story in his, in his book. He's walking down the street and there's this guy gardening and he's hoeing his yard and the spirit tells Finney to holler out. He says, you, sir, what are you doing hoeing your garden? Fall upon your knees and cry out to the holy God or something like that. And the dude does. The dude falls on his knees, repents, trusts Christ and is changed. And he was a guy that was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. He talks about his autobiography. He never really prepared. He, he hours and hours and hours on his knees in prayer yeah. um, and, and asking for the Spirit's anointing. And 
he's, he talks about in his book a lot of times. He wouldn't even know what he's going to preach on when he's going to the meetings. Yeah. And he would get up and preach for like two, three hours. We don't recommend that. We don't recommend that. Yeah. We don't recommend that. <laughs> We also don't recommend 30 hours of preparation. It's good. You can glean a lot from some of these guys, but yeah. you know, just always remember that they're, they're men and yeah. they're sinful and they're not perfect. And that's you right. Know, we can't emulate everything yeah. uh, about them. And, um, yeah. and we don't endorse just because we talk about, I would endorse pastor Chuck's theology, but we don't, just because we mentioned somebody on here doesn't mean we endorse everything about that ministry or theology. Right. So don't send us any dumb emails, please. <laughs> Um, we don't okay. need any conflict. Well, Matt, so one of the things that I did want to cover before we, we wrap up is yeah. sermon prep. So when, oh, wow. especially, so when you're in the pastorate down in the South, you know, you're, I, I think you've got office hours and you, a lot of times they're required. And, and so you've got, you know, time alone where you're going to be able to spend doing that. And a lot of times you can block it off and church planning. gets different because I don't have an office. My office is the coffee shop down the road. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my schedule is always changing because there's, you know, things to go do. There's people to meet. There's fires to put out, things like yeah. that. So uh, what is your sermon prep routine? Yeah, man. It's it's in the beginning of my preaching ministry, it was hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to spend just a ton of time. You know, I don't, I, I would say now I probably average between uh, minimum 12, maximum 17, depending if I'm really wrestling with the text. Mm -hmm. um, and also depending on the genre, I, I personally find narrative preaching sermon preparation is a little bit longer for me. Sure, yeah. uh, but, but usually what, what, what it always starts out with me is through prayer, reading the text over and over and over and over again. I try to read the text 50 times, 45 to 50 times wow. before I actually get into it. There's been seasons where I've written the text uh, about half of that. So 20, 25 times I actually write it down on a yellow legal pad. And why I do that is I want to be saturated with the word of God. That's where the power is. I've heard even uh, some guys say you should memorize your text. Yeah. The week leading up, yeah. depending on how long it is. Yeah, memorizing your text. I went through a season where I did that for, I preached the book of Acts for about two, two and a half years. And I would try to memorize my text every week. And like, like you said in this lead in, you know, it's, we, we, church planning is different, man. It's a different world. Yeah. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't start with large groups. At least we don't at the fellowships. And so you're doing, you're, you're spending time developing your core group. You're spending time casting vision. You're spending time partnership development. Mm -hmm. Um, you're spending time prayerfully, hopefully investing in your wife in your marriage and your family yeah. and in your community. So you can't hold yourself up for 30 hours a week no. to do your sermon prep. I would say if you're doing that, you're this is what I've discovered in a lot of church planners that tell me that. I would say if you're spending that amount of time in your sermon prep, usually you're using that as a facade from being in the harvest yep. or from doing other things. Yep. I, amen. I was going to say the same thing. It, yeah. is, it is easy to hide behind sermon prep and to convince ourselves that, yeah. you know, oh, I just need to get this sermon this just right. And then you know, if I do that, then this Sunday, you know, and if I send out a bunch of, you know, flyers and things like yeah. that and, you know, get a bunch, have my people invite people to church, then there'll be this revival and people are going to fall yeah. on their faces. And uh, that sounds great. Uh, and the reason that I think uh, a lot of times we kind of in our flesh hope that'll happen is because it keeps us from having to do what's uncomfortable. We don't right. have to put our own necks on the line yeah. and go out there and actually get in the harvest. But you know, like go go back going back to Charles Spurgeon, right? I mean, he, a lot of times he started his sermon prep on Saturday. Yeah, was we wouldn't recommend that. No, 
But what was he doing throughout the week? Yeah. He was with people. He was, with people. He was in the harvest. He was yeah. ministering to his people. He yeah. was caring for the sick. He was caring for the needy. He was sharing the gospel. He was out in the community. That's the reason that God blessed his preaching. If you're not out there being faithful in the community and doing those things, God's not going to bless your preaching. Yeah, if you, you know you're you're asking your people to do something you're not doing. Yeah. You know, even even let's just say you know, you're, you're, you are that uber attractional church and you, everything's about inviting people to Sunday morning gathering. Mm -hmm. Are you as the pastor, are you inviting people into the kingdom? Yep. Are you inviting people to, to, to be a part of what you're doing on Sunday mornings? Yeah. You know? And so, it, it, so for me, I've, 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 I've tried to strike that balance, mm -hmm. you know, at, at this stage in, in my life, you know, sermon prep time. Um, I, I believe in good tools. I, I use log, log, logos. Um, I, no, it's logos. Logos. I, I say Lagos. Well, the right way to say it is Lagos. <laughs> that was not an actually very clip. That was me. Uh, but but so I, I use different tools and stuff like that. I stay away from commentaries. My my preaching professor, shout out Dr. Tim Seal, Mid America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis. Um, he taught us to stay away from commentaries until you get to the very end of your prep, which I completely agree with. Mm -hmm. You need a word from God, man. You don't need a word from. I love Charles Spurgeon. I love all these men we've created or, or uh, created. We didn't create them. God did uh, <laughs> that. We've talked about, yeah. uh, you know, go to those guys and get a word. And then I would say this, if you come up with some profound truth that you've never heard before in your life, it's probably not profound. It's probably heresy. So don't <laughs> preach that. I would say that. So use those men at that point yeah. to go back and say like, you know, guys like Charles Spurgeon <laughs> or or if somebody, you know, whoever else is your hero and they, they've written these things and, and nobody else comes to the same conclusion you came to that text, you're probably wrong and they're probably right, not the other way around. You know, it's funny though yeah. about, so I hear so many, especially a lot of the guys who are like, I mean, they really are into like expository preaching and they're like, you, you know, be faithful to the text, you know, like they really hammer that home and they're like, but, but they also, at the same time, they love Charles Spurgeon. And I'm like, do they ever read Spurgeon's sermons? Because kind of a topical preacher. <laughs> like Spurgeon would take like, you know, like Ezekiel, Straight out of Ezekiel 26, 14. And like, just like go somewhere. You're like, what? Where did that come from? Man, he always preached the gospel and he never preached heresy. It was always true. Yeah. But he definitely didn't stick to the text. But when I read Spurgeon's stuff, what did he do so well? He spoke right to the heart. Yeah, yeah. That's what he did. And so like to yeah. bring it back full circle, talking to church planners, you got to speak to the heart. You got to preach to the heart. That's right. You got to take the word of God. You got to take the gospel and you got to seal it in the, the listener's heart to where they see what if, what if I do something with this? Mm -hmm. You know, what would happen if, if we did this together? Yeah. You know, what would happen to this world if we obeyed the commands of Christ? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, man, we really want to change the world. It's not going to be through you know recycling or global warming and all this stuff it, it it's through it, it's through obeying what jesus said about the tree huggers oh gosh <laughs> send those emails to jared not me <laughs> matt or wait mhess at fellowship email address i'll have my ministry assistant change my email address well my so my sermon prep routine yeah not too far off i i usually i try to shoot for about eight to 12 hours a yeah. week now um and I've, that's come down from like because i was doing what we were talking about earlier i was like I spending 20 yeah. 20 to 25 hours yeah. a week and i just realized like i like what's the point of this like yeah. I, I need to be spending time with with people and uh, what i'll usually do is i spend a little bit of time in the text on tuesday yeah just the text 
and you know, I'll read it. I'll, I'll write down thoughts that come to mind. I don't try to like write an outline. I don't try to, you know, yeah. unless like God just really starts pouring, dumping it on me, you know, yeah. and, and things start flowing. But, and then I'll let it sit and marinate for 48 hours and then I'll come back on Thursday and that's when I'll start writing. Yeah. Uh, and I have, I'm pretty ADD. So it's like, I lose my attention fast. So I'll squirrel. I can, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I can, you know, work for about three hours or so and then I'll need a break and I'll, yeah. and I'll leave and come back to it. I'll go do something else and come back to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so usually Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I'll, I'll work for maybe three hours each day yeah. uh, on it. And then <clears throat> kind of comes together on Saturday for me. Yeah. So. Our, our, our slides people hate me. Because I send it like on Saturday evening. My slide people is my wife. Is <laughs> she like, Jen, go ahead, put the slides up. They're ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what though, man? Like it's, it's, it's good because I know there's guys who are, they're finished. I mean, I, I'm honestly, I'm trying to work hard. Two weeks ago, I was done with my sermon by uh, Thursday hmm. and I had Friday and Saturday to do some writing some some research and and to really spend time with my family mm -hmm. and that is something that i really want to get better at yeah. because i find myself like i've always battled procrastination mm -hmm. i got to be careful with that it's it's it can slip into mm -hmm. sin really quickly for me and and so like but I, part of it also is you you're pregnant with that word and it's with you mm -hmm. you know continuously and you know, for, and the reason why we, we go up oftentimes to the salary is because we both manuscript and I know that we're not glued to our manuscripts by no means, but we, we both manuscript. And so if you're writing, if you're listening and you manuscript, sometimes you got to go back and rework it and all that stuff. So what I do a little, really similar to you, I might be, I might have a good idea by like Thursday, but on Saturday I'm tweaking it, yep. reworking it, yeah. that kind of stuff. But I found too that, you know, if I start early in the week trying to write the sermon, for whatever reason, I get bogged down. Like, and I'll yeah. really get frustrated. But when I wait till later in the week and I try to, yeah. I schedule my meetings and, you know, we have our Sabbath on Monday, super important, you know, yeah. we just, I don't, I don't work on it or think about it at all. Uh, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday is mostly filled with administrative tasks or, you know, meeting with people. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll start on Thursday. I work better under pressure, actually. It's yeah. like, it just flows quicker when I have a shorter amount of time and I have a shorter window. And I've actually found that I really enjoy really starting the bulk of the writing towards the end of the week. It just yeah. works better for me. And, you know, for other guys that, hey, more power to you. If you can write like your sermons two weeks in advance, like, great. I, that's just not for me, though. Yeah. Personally. I would say, I would say to guys, be careful the habits you're developing now. Mm -hmm. Because if you, especially if a lot of our listeners are younger in ministry, you're developing habits that are going to carry on with you throughout the, you know, the rest of your ministry. And you want to develop some really healthy rhythms. We'll do an episode on just having healthy rhythms as a church planner. I'm sure, you know, balance life and work and all that stuff. But you want to develop some good rhythms right now in terms of how you prepare sermons and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And everybody, we should say too, everybody's different, man. I know I have good friends and they're, they're like three hours. They do sermon prep in three hours. It blows my mind, yeah. but it's good. And they, they spend time with the Lord and, and it's, it's there and, and they know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, should get to our marching orders. Uh, we yeah. could probably keep talking about this subject all day, to yeah. be honest, but uh, uh, some good stuff today. So, uh, Matt, what would you say are your uh, your marching orders, maybe some of the most important things that planners need to know about preaching? Man, golly, you know me, it's such a passion of mine. I got like a million of them. Uh, I would say church planner, invite people to respond to what you preach to. Um, 
I, I've heard so many sermons in church planning context where guys just give information. They don't give any challenge. Mm-hmm. They don't invite anybody to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's not the way the word of God is supposed to be pro- proclaimed, in my opinion. I, I think that you should always be calling people to something. If you're talking to believers, what, what are you asking them to do? If you're, if you're talking to non-believers, both in that context, what are you asking them to do? To, with the word that you're just giving. So so I would say invite and believe, have some kind of system where people can respond to your to your to your preaching. I see that hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I see that hand back there. I mean, we've done everything, man. We've done I've done raise your hand if you want to respond to Christ. And people have faithfully given up to Christ. Uh, we've done connection cards. We've done come and see, you know, a leader after the service, you know, we, we've done kind of everything and keep it fresh, kind of change it up a little bit. If you yeah. do it the same way every single week, it will become it's, le- it's going to become legalistic. It will become legalistic. Yeah. yeah. And people will stop responding because they won't hear it anymore. It'll just be white noise routine. and they routine. That's a good word. And they just want to get to lunch. Yeah. And then I would say this, the other the other marching order, um, examine your life mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. as as preachers. As heralds of the gospel, you have to examine your life. If you are not in a constant posture of examination, now you don't do that by saying like, life, how you doing? You ask the Holy Spirit to do that. You have to ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you blind spots, to go to people that are part of your accountability team. What are things in my life that you see that are not lining up? Because sometimes we think that, People in our church, whether an established church or in a church plant, man, they're just not responding. They might not be responding because you're quenching the Holy Spirit. There's sin in your life. You're not doing what you're preaching. You're asking people to do something that you're not doing. And that hypocrisy is hindering movement. One of my favorite verses up on that wall, 2 Timothy 2, 2021. Paul says there's... You know, at a great house, there's vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, yep. some for honorable use and some for di- dishonorable. And then he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house and ready for every good work. Yeah. So I'd say if you truly want to see uh, people respond to Jesus, if yeah. you want to see awakening and revival, then you need to cleanse your life from what is dishonorable. And yes, preacher, church planter, you are held to a higher standard. You are held, you know, to account um, yeah. because uh, you know it's a high calling that you've been called to. And yeah. so, um, you know, I think that there there is a sense in which, man, if if you're allowing things in your life that you know, like they may even be little things, but they're things that God doesn't really want in your life. Yeah, that's going to hinder the work of the Spirit through you in your preaching. Oh man, I absolutely agree. That passage is awesome. Uh, man, I, I know I gave two more. I'm going to give two more Go because it, these are so yeah, good. You know, man, the, the the third one I would say is spend time with somebody that doesn't preach like you preach. Mm-hmm. Learn from somebody else not in your quote-unquote camp. Yeah. Understand that the kingdom is much bigger than your vein of of theology or whatever it might be. Yeah. Because if, if, you, if you just seclude yourself with people who think like you, who who act like you and all that stuff that's just not he- it's not healthy mm-hmm. have convictions have good healthy arguments all those kinds of things do that um be around people who who don't preach like you be around people who have different preaching philosophy than you and if if they're heretical obviously not you know but but spend time and then i would finally say this listen to yourself preach mm-hmm. watch yourself preach re- listen to your audio and get better 
I've heard so many preachers say, well, preaching's a gift. It is a gift, but you can get better at it. And if you don't work at it, if you don't put in your quote unquote reps and time into the, the craft, the gifting that God's given to your life, then you're not fulfilling the ultimate potential that God has given to you in that yeah. gift. And therefore you're not being a good steward of that gift. Right. Yeah. My, uh, my marching orders would be number one. I, I kind of already mentioned this pray as much as you pray. Amen. I think that if we had preachers, uh, if our, if our, if our country here in Canada and yeah. in the U S was, was filled with preachers that would pray That's right. as much as they prepped, if they would uh, intercede and get on their faces for their people, I think we would see an awakening uh, yeah. and a revival. I truly do believe that. Yeah, amen. And so uh, start this week, Blainer, start this week, preacher, pray as much as you prep and strive to get there. I mean, you know, look like, um, you know, maybe that's a stretch for you to, to get there, but you can start incrementally working towards it. Mm -hmm. Pray more than you're doing than you did last week. Yeah. Uh, and continue to, you know, to add to that. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing that I would close with as well is that, so we talked about unction and we talked about uh, a sense of urgency and we should always preach like that, but we always need to remember that ultimately uh, that God is the one that gives the growth. So Amen. like this Sunday, uh, your sermon this Sunday, your entire ministry doesn't hinge upon it. That's right. And I think sometimes you can get bogged down yeah. when you're when you're prepping sermons because you want to get it just right. Gotta hit a home run every like, week. Right. If I don't, if something you know like supernaturally crazy doesn't happen this weekend, then you know like it's gonna you know everything's gonna be for for naught. And the entire ministry doesn't hinge on hinge on this Sunday. God is perfectly capable of moving. Uh, throughout the week. He's perfectly capable of moving next Sunday. And a lot of times you're not going to see results visibly. That's a great you know, word, you're not going to see, a great word. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll look out there and it's going to look like people are like looking at you. Like, like they're just like so ready to go to lunch. <laughs> that should be another order. Don't try to read people's faces. Yes, don't do it. Don't do it. Cause you'll probably get discouraged. Cause people just look at you like they're bored out of their minds, but you'll find that they're actually like a lot of times they're, they really were locked in. And that person like repents and gives their life to yeah, Christ. And yeah, you're like, sure. I didn't think you were listening. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a bad habit to try to look at people and try so to read bad. their faces. And then, cause you can get discouraged and so bad, right yeah. in the middle of your sermon. So, right. yeah. So awesome. Well, Man, this has been, it's been a lot of fun talking about this. And again, I, I'd say, hey, if you have any other specific questions, because I know that there's a, just so many uh, different questions that arise when we talk about preaching, um, you can email uh, myself or Matt. Um, uh, our email addresses will be in the show notes, uh, or you can also message us on our website. You can uh, go and visit uh, www.getinthetrenches.com and uh, you can click the contact us link. And that's also where you can find other episodes, listen to them. We, we've got some blog posts uh, that are going to be coming up there as well. So as always, thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. And uh, we do need your help getting the word out. So if this information has been beneficial to you, if it's helped you, if you've learned anything at all, uh, we'd really love your help and uh, help in spreading the word about this so that we can get this information into the hands of other church planters and other ministers. Cause we ultimately, what, what we want to do is we want to share what, what we're learning That's right. and we want it to bless uh, as many people as possible. So one of the ways you can help us do that is jump on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, uh, and then give us a five-star rating only. Only and, five stars. And then leave a written review. And, um, you know, the more of, of those we have, uh, kind of uh, the more visible we'll be able to become. And then, uh, you know, also just sharing on social media, 
uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's the new way to be able to, to kind of get the word out. So if you can uh, share our, uh, our podcast and our posts on social media, we'd be extremely grateful for that. So uh, we'll be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planters.